0: Welcome to Conscious Pathways, the podcast where we have transformative conversations in education. I'm your host, Brittany Carey, and today I am joined by education leader and advocate Lika Muhammad. Lika earned her degree in Child and Adolescent Development from Point Loma Nazarene University. However, she has a master's degree in Macrobiotics and a doctoral degree in Human Anatomy from her home country. Since 2019, Lika has served as a Human Rights Consultant at the U.S. Institute of Diplomacy and Human Rights. In 2021, she was recognized by the CLASS community as the Teacher Spotlight, as well as the title of Heroic Teacher by the Child Care Resource Center in Los Angeles. She was also awarded the honor of being the Women of Distinction in Education by the California Legislature, District 79 in 2023. Plika is currently serving as the residents of San Diego County through the Local Planning Council at the San Diego County Office of Education. She also provides internship opportunities for student teachers at Point Wilma Nazarene University. Lika is a major advocate within Head Start for young children and for communities. She is such an incredible light to speak to and just bring such a wealth of knowledge to this conversation. I really can't wait to share it with you. Welcome to Conscious Pathways. How are you today?
1: Doing great. How are you?
0: I am fantastic. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. I know you have such a great wealth of knowledge and just so much background to to tell us about. And so I've been really excited to have you on. To get started, would you like to tell us a little bit about how you got started in early education and what brought you here? Who or what inspired you to become an advocate in education?
1: Well, I, I believe that I started um, a little bit um, after I entered the U.S. 2013 Uh, from my country of origin I had a degree in human anatomy but when I started the process to validate my degree and qualification Mm -hmm. um, I faced some difficulties the Mm -hmm. standards are different here so you literally come To restart everything all over again. And Mm. it takes time, energy, and definitely it costs you financially. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to start uh, something that I can be fruitful and helpful Mm -hmm. in. And I found myself in early childhood education. So I started going to school. A school mm. that really shaped me is Point Loma Nazarene University. It's really? a faith-based school that gave me a lot. Mm. And there I wanted to start my advocacy journey. Um, that um, setting from the instructors that really supported me, um, my student um, uh, teachers that I met. Um, I started looking at education as the cornerstone of every other mm. profession. I wanted to invest myself in there and I kind of succeeded, uh, but it, it, it never was um, an individual effort for me.
2: Mm. It
1: was all my community, my family,
2: um,
1: then my coworkers when I started We're working for All Kids Academy. Uh, There, I started the profession from a a different angle and from a different level. Um, It has been quite a beautiful journey for me, but uh, it's also a struggle when I see children or even teachers marginalized Mm -hmm. or not having their voice. So from what I study, from my work, uh, from my community, I can see that education needs my effort. Mm -hmm. Uh, It needs my advocacy, and it needs my voice. Mm -hmm. And there when I started, I I started fresh. I started with a, a different perspective. I wanted to see education to be the highest of all hierarchies. I wanted mm-hmm. to see that education is the one field that influences all other professions and fields. Mm-hmm. And here I am today. Uh, I'm just receiving what I implemented and planted. It's just a rewarding journey. Um, I see it in my classroom. Children's eyes and smiles, they're learning. Mm-hmm. I see that I'm in the right place. And I believe that I can do more whenever I receive support from my community and belief in me and my ability to reform education. Education is a dynamic field. Mm -hmm. Uh, As we see, more and more children are diagnosed with um, what I call special abilities. They mm-hmm. have autism. We see it more and more now in our classroom. We see people with ADHD. We see mm-hmm. all kinds of differences in the family structure that we need mm-hmm. to address. All this is empowering me and providing me with all kinds of resources at the same time to do my part. And yes. here I am with you now to share my perspective.
0: Yes. And and thank you so much. I I think your perspective and your background and, you know, just different avenues that you've worked with and different, you know, communities that you've worked with give you so much strength to really advocate for these issues. And one thing that you mentioned that really stuck out to me was, you know, you're saying teachers, you know, aren't having that voice or aren't having the platforms for their voices to be heard. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? In what ways, uh, cuz i mean i've seen it as well teachers are you know they're on the ground they're they're seeing the issues they're working with the kids and you know no matter how many times they can say certain things it's not always being heard so what are you seeing and hearing and in what ways can we ensure that teachers are getting their voices heard yeah oh, from what you
1: experienced and i experienced as public policy makers
2: mm-hmm.
1: we knew that there is a major thing that we need to address immediately, like right now,
2: mm-hmm. is
1: like um, providing early childhood educators with this um, voice and value. It mm. starts with increase their rate. It, it starts with acknowledging their, their efforts.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, th- this is yep. one part of the formula. It has multiple. Phases Mm and financial support by recognizing their efforts and giving them the money that they deserve. Mm -hmm. And uh, just providing early childhood educators with um, the right title. Educators, teachers, um, if they work with infants, toddlers, Mm -hmm. preschoolers, elementary level they all have the same value. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't see it happening or I don't really feel it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Early education starts when the, the fetus is still in the womb. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is what I see happening. And had to start programs now. They are, they are supporting uh, expecting mothers. Mm-hmm. So this is where I want to see that. Early childhood educators are given the voice, the value, Mm -hmm. the respect in our communities. Without them, we cannot really implement the right seeds in the right hearts, minds, and souls. Yes. I see from people around me, Mm -hmm. they come to school with such a joy and dedication. To Mm -hmm. educate these little ones and their families. Yes. Early childhood educators are empowering the whole family. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, they are empowering the whole community. I want to see their voice heard. Uh, I want to see our political representatives, our government, Mm -hmm. giving them the power. Without them, do we have quality doctors? I don't think so. Do we have quality engineers, farmers, all kinds of provisions? No. So we need to start focusing on these as mm-hmm. giving them all they look for, giving them the value, giving them the respect and integrity. Mm-hmm. I, I see it happening in some of the programs. I've been evaluating being part of their work, but mm. not all the programs. Yes. Not from what comes from the government, from the community. We need to put value in their work. We yes. need to acknowledge them.
2: Yeah. Financially, and
1: yes. socially, and emotionally, giving them the respect, giving them the power to shape the future of our nation. This mm-hmm. is what I want to be seeing and i I hope that i will be part of that you are part of that too Mm -hmm. what we do in the local planning council is giving these teachers the voice
2: Mm -hmm. yes i believe
1: we are succeeding
0: in doing so i believe so and you know what you're saying is so true that early childhood educators we aren't often seen on the same level even the same playing field as some like k-12 mm-hmm. educators right no. and so we're not afforded the same um options and although k-12 educators could definitely be paid more <laughs> all educators and can now definitely they do be more. paid more now especially this era mm-hmm. they do more
1: yeah now yeah. we are the ones who at least i don't say that we are allowed to diagnose no, cases not. of autism adhd but we give a heads up
2: mm-hmm. we
1: notify the right channel that it could be so and so with this child and we mm-hmm. we want support and intervention to start right away
2: yeah
0: yeah because we, we know early intervention is so important mm-hmm. for, for young it children. starts with us yeah yeah. So we, we so, should
1: be receiving all early educators
0: should be receiving this and acknowledgement of their efforts. Yes. I think that's kind of the hard thing with our field, too, is that it depends on where you work. So um, Head Starts and California state funded preschools, um, they tend to be able to offer a little bit more in terms of benefits uh, because they are funded by the government. Or if you work for a private preschool, you might not be able to have the same amount of benefits um, and the same kind of offered amount of pay, which there's that huge bit of discrepancy there, um, which means that not all educators are are on the same playing field and have the same opportunities. But yet, you know, every school has its purpose within the community, so we still need family, friends, and neighbors. We still need family centers um, and we need center-based schools. Uh, they offer different things for different families to be able to have access to. And yeah, it just, it gets very tricky. It gets very tricky. And I I'd absolutely agree. Giving teachers the voice, like you're saying, we're seeing a lot of these things in the classroom. And as best practices shift and as we become more aware of you know, the symptoms of you know what autism might look like, or ADHD in a child might look like. We're kind of those that first line of defense in a lot of ways because we're we're seeing it, and and oftentimes we're trained a little bit more to be able to see, you know, what's you know neurotypical and what's neurodivergent, and being able to bring that up and get that child that early intervention so that they have the tools and skills to be successful. Um, I have so many friends that have just gotten their ADHD diagnosis as adults and when they're looking back they're saying wow if i would have had this in school i would have been so much better or i would have had so many more tools or i would have had this and so there's so many kids who are just going through their educational journey not getting the help and support they that they need to be successful and they're finding these things out as adults which can be super tricky <laughs> it is tricky mm-hmm Absolutely. So yes, giving giving that voice and that choice and that value to early childhood educators, placing them on the same field. Because if you look at the data, early childhood educators are also some of the most educated. We have, you know, multiple degrees, we have certificates, we have, there's, there's so much knowledge that goes into the work that we do. And yet for us to still be looked at as babysitters, or, mm-hmm. you know, you just Can't hang out with, with kids you. all day. It, it does make it really not true. Yes, not true at it all. It does not align with early
1: educators' role nor mm. their efforts in shaping these children's learning and experiences. Not at all, but we still
0: have people seeing it.
2: Mm hmm. unfortunately.
0: Yes. And so, you know, speaking about advocating in education, we talked about a couple of issues uh, within education, but are there any specific issues or changes that you feel the most passionately about? What kind of issues are you currently advocating the most for?
1: Advocating for children have multiple phases. It it starts with advocating for the children themselves, Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: then you go to the categories of
2: these children. Because mm-hmm. we have,
1: I believe that there's no more typical child, a typical child, mm. my baseline that I started. However, we have in today's classrooms, children coming from different backgrounds, family structure, shaped by a lot of things, including the pandemic and mm-hmm. whatever comes after that. In, in my own classroom, I have children born in 2021, mm-hmm. which literally means they were in their mommy's tummies when the pandemic started. So mm-hmm. all the stress, the uncertainty was mm-hmm. passed to these children, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Mm-hmm. And they were born where it's lockdown. They don't see their grandma, grandpa, relatives, their communities, and then they are here, school, school mm-hmm. setting. It's a huge difference. Mm. So now our children need this vision that goes beyond the typical versus a typical child. We mm-hmm. have children who are shaped differently and uniquely
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you cannot even compare them to children who were born before the pandemic i advocate for these children to the categories that they belong to to their identities that they come to me mm-hmm. every morning with to their interests, to their strengths, to their beautiful vulnerabilities They educate me about, I see their vulnerabilities, their lack of social, emotional development, Mm. all kind of madness. I see that as a power. So I advocate for these children. And then because I advocate for these children, I should advocate for these teachers.
2: Mm.
1: I advocate for teachers who come with all kinds of loads on their shoulders. Mm
2: -hmm. They
1: come, but still having this beautiful smile on their faces, and they come to help. Mm -hmm. I advocate for these teachers to have access for training Mm -hmm. that is related to autism, ADHD, and all these different abilities and different powers that our children are coming to our classrooms with. I wanna see that happening. I see that we need to advocate for these teachers so that they Mm -hmm. have access to education because I have so many coworkers who get their degrees in the eighties, some of them Mm the seventies but in today's reality of
2: class, we need to update our knowledge. And since education is expensive,
1: it's hard for them to go to school.
2: Yeah.
1: I need to see this happening because I advocate for the, oh, the children. Mm-hmm. I need to see these children having teachers who have the tools that they can offer them in order to help them be successful, fruitful mm-hmm. in their life. It's far beyond academics. It's not just academics that we offer. We offer a lot of support. We offer them love that they sometimes come not knowing what love is. Mm. We know that families now are struggling financially. So they work um several hours a day so this is the only setting that gives love and support to these children we need everybody in the classroom environment to be happy including parents because Mm. parents are engaged in their children's learning and development even Mm. it's sometimes hard for them to keep tracking but We need to see all of these happy and supportive to one another. A child comes to school to educate his or her teacher. And the teacher is educating the child and educating the family at the same time. Mm -hmm. The family is providing us with a lot of resources to help our student child
2: in the classroom. Mm -hmm.
1: All of these should be having a reason to help the child to have themselves mm-hmm. so this is why i advocate for children that's um the title of the thing but you go dive deep and you see we should be advocating for the families receiving better housing receiving better resources we advocate for teachers to give the access free access to knowledge and happiness and being valued all these are just signals that we are on the right pathway mm. this is why i am here and you are here to yes. shape our communities through yeah. all our advocacy it's
0: i you know i'm really curious about the data that will inevitably come out about the the children who were born really in the midst of, you know, the COVID and the lockdown and, you know, the the parents who were pregnant with these young children. And what are those outcomes? Because we do know that, you know, when in, you know, when a baby's in utero, and it's growing, the environment in which, you know, that that infant is growing in, is going to impact their kind of overall growth and development and so i'm really curious to see what that data is going to say because it was a really stressful time we were all going through a lot of uncertainty we were going through a lot and you know it's a global health pandemic so what does that look like for those long-term outcomes of you know these you know babies being born and probably not being outside very often <laughs> not going to the grocery store not going to the playground like what are these long-term health impacts that we are inevitably seeing and of course we are seeing today about the social emotional key component of it is that kids are struggling especially kids who you know lost about a year or two of really key social development time we are seeing that and it's it i'm just i'm just waiting for this data to come out i know that they're studying it i know it's going to come out and i want to know how that's going to impact us as teachers moving forward, what, what are we going to add into our practice because of this information and how are we going to continue to support these students? And I also love that you mentioned that parent engagement as a key component of, you know, advocating for the overall well-being of the child, right? Because we sometimes forget that the families are a really integral part of that. There's, it's, it's so much wider and so much bigger than just what we do in the classroom. It's also the community that we're building around that classroom. So in terms of engaging families and engaging parents in a really authentic way, what strategies have you used you know, within your classroom or what strategies have you used when working with other educators to really influence that working with, stu- with uh, parents in their communities and really bringing that in. Yes. Yeah, so from my own
1: experience as a Head Start teacher,
2: mm-hmm.
1: there are so many channels that I implement and start using uh, to encourage engagement. Mm-hmm. Part of it is the program requirements. Um, another part of it is the portion family engagement that uh, I see necessary for our children to develop um, holistically. So one of the new programs within uh, the Head Start programs that encourage parents to be part of their children's learning and development Mm is um, Parent and Partners Plans of Possibilities. It's Something that we started this year, Mm -hmm. and I see very important for our friends who were born during the pandemic, it's very empowering to the family. So in this program, you work on a monthly basis plans that you share with the parent or family about the education that's taken place in the classroom setting. Mm -hmm. And you relate it and extend it in a way that it mirrors, it provides Mm -hmm. more development in the primary environment, which is the child's home.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So you share what you do during your circle time, during the free choice language and literacy, all these components of your curriculum you put into a plan that you share with your parents and they should be agreeing or disagreeing um, providing you with feedback. So we post this in our classroom and then we have it signed by the parents. It just encourages them to see their child from the right perspective, using the right lens, Because regardless of their education as family members, if they are not in the early childhood field, mm-hmm. they are not fully having the knowledge of developmental milestones, all kinds of child development concepts. So this is where we put our efforts in order to bring the parents, the families to our classroom, see what we do here and just go extend it. And I see that very powerful. We started this um, this month and we are going to be providing every month whatever mm-hmm. curriculum that we have as teachers in the classroom, we just extend it and share it with the parents. This is mm-hmm. one, one thing. I do have another thing that um, uh, I put on Learning Genie. I encourage them to do their in-kind, and in-kind is a program also part of the Head Start funding uh, programs. Mm-hmm. So what parents and families do is um, going through activities that is categorized by the developmental areas like you know, social, emotional, physical, and so on, so they mark whatever they teach their children in their home environment and they share it with the program and the program send it to where the fund comes and for mm. every 15 minutes, for example, that a, um, a family member does something with this child in the home environment, mm-hmm. it's going to be providing fun, like a tuition thing, mm-hmm. and it's going to be... Providing CACF females, providing uh, learning games, Mm -hmm. toys, and for for sure, quality education for the teachers
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: that are in that program. So this is one thing that I really, really highlight every week with my um, family. So I provide them with encouragement. Please provide us with your in-kind. So they go mm. over. And this is what I do as a person. As a person, uh, I provide them with packets, with toys, um, with crochet dolls. And I, I give them a whole lesson plan that they can use at home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when they take it, they have more resources now to do their in-kind. So I, as a person and a teacher... Mm-hmm. Provide the resources for their family to do something that's great for our program and our program and provide funding or receive funding that helps
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, my children. So it, it, it's, it's a whole community effort. This is why I see it a whole community effort. We encourage mm-hmm. one another and we benefit the child and our community. Mm-hmm. This is one thing that I do. I also email my families. Uh, usually, I do it Saturday, so mm-hmm. I email their children's uh, pictures, what they did throughout the week, and they provide me with their feedback. It takes time, but it's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. I engage these families, and, and most of them they get emotional when they see their children like napping or playing with their friends. It, mm-hmm. it, it really empowers me to see this happening in the family. Seeing, because they miss a lot. Um, mm-hmm. My my classroom children spend eight hours in mm-hmm. the um, classroom environment, so they miss a lot of families. So when I bring that thing to their families and bring their families to where they see what is happening, it really empowers me. I feel very
0: powerful. Yes. And I I love the use of technology, especially now more than ever, to be able to connect more with students. So you mentioned Learning Genie, and that's a platform that's used with Head Start and with some uh, California state funded preschools as well. And so it's a platform that communicates kind of kind of connects the teacher directly with the parent um and you can share kind of pictures you can share kind of updates and like you said either this is what we did our circle time what we're learning in school so these are things that you can apply as a parent at home right because oftentimes you pick up your kid and your first thing is what did you do in school today and you can get a myriad of answers and it could be like nothing or i played or or just you know a bunch of things and so you're not Really, getting a full scope of what's actually happening in this classroom, mm-hmm. and it can make you feel really disconnected, especially because, as you said, sometimes our students are spending all day, you know, eight hours a day at this one place. And I always say, like Disneyland is a super fun place to be, but I've got a limit at being at Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. I get tired of being at Disneyland at some place. And, as warm and inviting and amazing as we can make our classrooms, it can be really hard for a young person to be in a classroom. I'd had students that would be at the schools before I even started my shift at the school, and they would be there after I would leave. And that's, that's longer than eight hours. That's all day. So oftentimes during the week, these kids are seeing the teachers their their classroom community more than they're actually seeing their families at home. And that can be really difficult. And I know it's hard on the families and the parents as well. I'm sure they would love to spend more time, you know, with their their young student. But, you know, either you're working multiple jobs, you're trying to provide, you're trying to do your best, and and you're missing out on so many things. So that use of technology, we used Bright Wheel in my classroom, and I would do very similar things. Um, I would do, you know, I would kind of either notate during circle time, or I'd make little mental notes during circle time. And really share as much as I could possibly, like, this is a list of what all the kids said when I asked this question. Um, and then this is, what, this is what I'm trying to do by asking this question. This is my intention by asking this question. I'm trying to get them to think about certain things. or I'm trying to test their knowledge about certain things and communicating that with those families. So, one, they feel like they're a part of it. So they have an idea on what's going on in that classroom. And they don't feel like they're just being left out, that they're missing out on so many different things. Even those simple things of, oh yeah, your child played with this one playmate that they hadn't played with before, or they napped all by themselves, like without assistance. Those are really big milestones and they love to hear that. (laughs) Perfect. Um, so I know that you are currently kind of balancing your role as an educator and an advocate. Um, what kind of advice do you have for other teachers who are looking to also get into avenues for advocacy?
2: I would say, see, feel that you are positive. Mm-hmm. Take this moment to feel that you are shaping a you have the power to change your community to empower everybody. You are the first, and and this takes you to levels should be given the power of. provide relationships may take place among even
1: countries. Mm-hmm. taken global levels, you are the one who create tomorrow's leaders, tomorrow's president, you have the power to shape all this, mm-hmm. to see the beauty of your work in these students. So, take it as to reflect on your successes Mm. and see vulnerabilities that you have right now as steps forward. Mm. Take it to where you can implement or see power in your vulnerability and whatever you lack right now.
2: Mm. Please seek knowledge and see
1: the beauty that comes with that. Study your children. It's not just um, a career for you, your child, the family of your child. See it beyond the limits of here and now. You are responsible. And I know for sure you are able to create this generation that makes it- I, as a person, you for sure, Carrie, are advocating these teachers' right to have the power, the acknowledgement they deserve. And we want to see that faith and hope and future in these hearts of our early childhood educators. Just have the power and have the faith, faith that you are doing things. Always advocate for your children. Advocate for yourself and your mm-hmm. voice. Just take it as the most powerful thing on earth. Mm-hmm. You are creating a whole generation. Regardless of the number of your classroom children and the families that you have access to their heart, you are shaping a whole community, a future of a nation. Impacts. Influence other nations.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Please take that as a victory. A moment that you
2: capture every day. You are the most powerful person in your country. Take it as a word of your efforts. Just enjoy the moment.
1: And mm-hmm. always seek help when you need it. Seek it from your supervisors, for workers your families and children, let these children help you feel better mm. and feel valued. Mm. Implement your power in these little smiles that you see every day. Just let these children shape you and give you the joy that you deserve. Be the one that stands. Mm.
2: Just have this a powerful thing in yours and I know you'll get it and you will change education in a way that empowers.
0: we yeah. can get there absolutely absolutely that was that was so powerful and, and beautiful thank you Lika I think sometimes when we're in that moment of being educators and we're in the thick of it it can feel like we don't have the power or if you're you're elevating concerns and we're not seeing change, or we're not seeing change quick enough, it can feel like we don't have the power. But you know we do, and there are there are plenty of ways out there that we can advocate. Whether that's using social media to to share and to advocate and to inform, um, whether that is joining organizations um, that align with your visions and your and your ideas, you know, looking at you know, the local planning council in your area is a really great way to provide your voice to a bigger platform. Um, School board meetings, there's not a whole lot of early childhood representation within school board. So looking at ways like how do we change that? How do we get involved with that? Especially um, within California, having TK being a part of the um, K-12 system or being part of the school district now and knowing that early childhood really goes up to about, you know, eight or third grade and child care goes up to 12. So our our knowledge is important and we deserve to have a seat at that table. So go to those school board meetings, ask questions, push our our, you know, our local government officials to look at early childhood and look at our skills and our value that we add. We are we should be just as much of a part of that as any other educator. Um, they're all really just great ways to get involved, to start advocating, to lend your voice. And and I've said it before, but even just the act of being in the classroom is its own way of advocacy. You are advocating by showing up every day and being in that classroom. And you know, you have the power and you have those abilities and you can advocate in a way that feels good for you so if you want to be more vocal there are avenues for you to do that if you want to be in the classroom and that be your way of advocacy let's go for it you know find a a niche that you're really passionate about whether that's family engagement whether that's a certain type of curriculum um you know developmentally appropriate practices culturally responsive practices Find the thing that you're the most passionate about and just keep talking about it. Just keep bringing it to the table um, because that's another way of advocacy and just bringing your heart to the table. Because as you said, Liga, the children need it. The children need and deserve to have people in these classrooms who are passionate, who are curious, who want to keep learning, who want to keep understanding their children and also understanding their families and understanding the communities that they come from. These children deserve that. They deserve all of these things and more. And we are in such a beautiful space and opportunity to provide that. And so speaking of advocacy and just the future of education, how do you reimagine education and what does the future of that look like?
1: I imagine education and specifically the childhood education to very powerful, very influential, especially when the right leaders in the right categories. Education, we need to see it. It's happening, I believe, when we have the leaders who create more leaders. So, know the way, go the way, show the way. Mm-hmm. And I see it um, in my own everyday journey, my center director and the mentor teacher and center providing me with all this support. And I see it happening with mm-hmm. all my workers, regardless of roles, all teaching teams or the non-teaching teams. They are all there for the children, their families mm-hmm. and their communities. I see it from this little center that I work in, and I believe there are extended uh, environments where early childhood education is so powerful. I see it in Fergus Circle Head Start, Mm -hmm. where I go every day to see my little friends and my coworkers who really genuinely care Mm -hmm. for our communities and families, these little children. I see it happening there, but I believe it's happening so many problems.
2: I see mm. it
1: when I see the leaders go far and beyond their duties. I see it when I see that di- despite that, we need more acknowledgement of our childhood educators' roles, mm. but every day, co workers come to school with Dedication and power to learn from these children and mm. educate these children. See it going in the right pathway. We have the right advocates with the right intention to help mm. our nation
2: and community.
1: I see it happening, going in the right pathway.
2: Mm.
1: See it now as well as in the future. I see it happening and still happening when we have the right person in the right position. And I hope we all communicate and empower each other so that we get our roles for the benefit of our classroom children, community, everyone who wants to become part of this learning process. It is happening, it, it is becoming reality, but it needs our efforts, our everyday efforts. Hmm.
0: Yes, absolutely. I love that, our everyday efforts. That is so integral and so important. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to share with the Conscious Pathways uh, audience before we wrap up? I would like to thank you for
1: everything you are doing. Whether in the local planning council, as a person, I can see it in your smile, in your dedication to help. Thank you for all you do, and please keep it going. We need your voice, and we Mm. need the voices of people that you work with, you bring Mm. to show their power. We need you. Please keep what you are doing now. Mm. It's very rewarding, and it's happening. The change is coming. Thank you so much for okay. all well, you
0: do, Miss Kerr. Thank you so much, Lithia. It was you're such a light to have on the podcast and I'm so excited that we made this work and I'm just so excited to just have you on and just have your insights and I'm so excited to see what you do next. <laughs> To see where your advocacy journey takes you after this thank you for sharing i'll keep you updated with us yes please <laughs> keep me updated um because i feel like you're constantly doing some sort of advocacy work and i'm just like snaps. you go liga i see you you are working you are advocating and your passion it just i know that it just it just sweeps out to everyone around you and just makes everyone else that much more passionate and excited so Thank you again for joining me. It's been a pleasure to have you on. And thank you. Thank you, Miss Gary. Thank you for listening to the Conscious Pathways podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and follow Conscious Pathways so you never miss a new episode. Please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It really does help our show to grow and reach more people. You can also follow Conscious Pathways on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. And I'll be back next week for more transformative conversations in education. Thank you for listening. Bye!